If you'll turn with me in our, our, your scriptures this morning, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 16 and 17 as we continue our one another series. And I, I would say in, in, as far as preparation and of all of these one another's so far, um, that this one's been the most challenging for me, I think. This is probably the one that I need, uh, that I'm the weakest in, I think. And this one, I think, I think teaches me that I have a lot of more maturing to do, a lot more growing to do, um, that I have... It just, help, it just helps me unpack, I think, some more uh, areas where I'm, I'm broken and I'm needy. Because um, uh, today we're, we're going to talk about admonishing each other. Um, so this is a delicate one because um, it's only going to go one of two ways if we actually start doing this one. It's either going to go really well or it's going to go really bad. <laughs> so hang on to your hat this morning as we look to the scriptures. I'm going to ask you if you'll please stand with me as we read Holy Scripture together. This is Colossians chapter 3 and we're going to read together verses 16 and 17 this is God's holy word for us his people let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is God's holy word for us today. Father, would you please bless our time in your word? Don't let your word return void today. Don't let the proclamation of your word today just be business as usual. But do work on me and do work on all of us together and make a great name for yourself. Challenge us and change us today. Let's go home with more of you at the end of this service. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And you can be seated. <clears throat> so to get started... I want to do a bit of a review to catch us all up with where we are in our ten one another commandments. This is the uh, this is the eighth week of our series, and way back on that first sermon, we talked about the fact that we are members of the body of Christ, and that makes us members of one another. We're all connected to Christ. And because we're all connected to the head, who's Christ, we form his body. And we are, therefore, members of one another. And that sermon was sort of the, uh, I call it like the preamble to the Ten Commandments. Just like in the book of Exodus, there's a preamble. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Therefore, you will have no other gods, etc. This was sort of the preamble. I'm the Lord your God who freed you from your sins and united you to Jesus. And now you're the body of Christ. You're members of one another. Therefore, here are these ten one another's. That was that first week. 
And then we talked about the first two one another's. Love one another. We love in our hearts and we love in our actions. And we love independently of our mood. And then the second one was be at peace with one another. We strive to be unified, to live in harmony, and to do and to say those things that lead to and maintain peace in the church. And we're all committed to be peacemakers and to get along with each other. So love one another and be at peace with one another. Top two. These first two are about having the right heart, the right attitude, the right mindset for doing all the other one another's. And if these first two are focused on the heart, the other eight are focused on specific courses of action that are rooted in love and peace in the body. And each one of these flows out of the other, as we've been seeing. And so the remaining eight one another's are grouped into two categories, four commandments in each category. So three, four, five, and six are the positive actions that we should do to one another. And then the second category of four, seven, eight, nine, and ten are the actions we should do to one another in response to all the negative stuff that happens in the church. And those positive commandments, those first four, were welcome one another, talking about our fellowship, hospitality, gathering, encourage one another, honor one another, and serve one another. Those are the four positive one another's we ought to be doing. Welcoming each other, encouraging, honoring each other, serving each other. And this morning, we move into the second category. How to deal with the junk. This morning we begin looking at how obedience to the one another's is designed to address conflict, flaws, faults, failures, and sins in the body of Christ. Today we're going to look at the seventh of our one another commandments, admonish one another. So there's three things we've got to do today. Three things to think about this morning on this topic. How do we define admonition? How do we give admonition? And then crucially, how do we receive admonition? All right, we'll start with defining things. I have a couple of secrets that I need to tell you. Secret number one, none of you know this. Only pastors know this, okay? This is an insider secret. Every church has problems. I'll bet you didn't know that. It's true, though. Hello, Ripley's, you're not going to believe this. No, really. We do have problems. Every church has them. The best congregations with the sweetest, most delicious people on the planet are still going to have conflict because all those sweet, nice people are still sinners. And don't think that it's, well, big churches have big problems and little churches have little problems. No, sometimes a big church can have just little problems and sometimes little churches can have great big problems. 
But no one's exempt and no one's immune. Every church has issues, junk, a history, a past, problems. And that's because all of us, each and every one of us, is flawed, imperfect, broken, sinful, stubborn, lethargic, and often rebellious creatures. You know, in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18, all the way to the end of the chapter, Paul just goes on and on about like three dozen different sins. All right, so this is, this is my attempt to do a Romans 1 here. All of us struggle with many sins. We all have bad qualities, twisted motives, perverted thoughts, angry outbursts, irritating habits, aggravating personality traits, poor attitudes, harsh words, thoughtless comments, rudeness, vengefulness, malice, bitterness, unloving, uncaring, prideful, arrogant, combative, argumentative, self-righteous, holier-than-thou, judgmental, insulting, unforgiving, resentful, spiteful, and sometimes we're just downright jerks. Is that fair? <laughs> because all of us, without exception, fall into many or maybe even most of those destructive patterns and behaviors, occasionally we're going to rub each other the wrong way. That's secret number two. <laughs> because all of us are like that, to some extent, to some degree or another, some of the time, much of the time, we're going to rub each other the wrong way in the church. We will mess up. We will cause problems. We will be what's wrong with the church. We will hurt each other. We will sin against each other. Just give it enough time. Secret number three. Conflict in a group of sinners is inevitable. You agree with that? I mean, just look at your own homes. Conflict in a home, in a family of sinners, conflict will happen. Problems will arise. Wounds will be created. Old wounds will be opened fresh. Things will hurt for a while. We will learn very bad habits of how to deal with them. We will respond out of how we were taught to respond when we grew up or how we watched others respond. We will not deal with it in a healthy way many, many times. And every church is like this, and ours is like this, and it's no exception. It's not even interesting. It's just the norm. Churches are full of sinners, and we will do what we do best, and we'll do it against each other. And so that's why 
these one another's, these last four one another's are so important because they're designed to help us figure out biblically how to deal with it, how to deal with this stuff. And eventually we got to get to the point, like I was saying a second ago, where we have that desperation, where we know we need Jesus. <laughs> Not just that guy needs Jesus. Man, she really needs Jesus. Let's pray for her. No, me, I need Jesus. I need to change. Pastor so-and-so, elder so-and-so. Well, you know, I've, I'm a charter member, not of this church, but. <laughs> None of us are exempt, immune, above it, better than. This is all of us. So, these four, one another's, these last four, are meant to help us come to terms with this reality and learn how to deal with it helpfully and biblically. And constructively. And not let it tear us apart. This is where. When we see each other doing wrong. When we notice mistakes. When we are aware of flaws. Faults and failures in one another. When we see someone in our body. Taking steps down the wrong path. We have a duty. As fellow Christians to speak up to address it, and to confront each other. That's where biblical admonition comes in. So what is admonition? What does it mean to admonish one another? This is point one, defining admonition. Admonition is a form of truth-telling. Admonition is a form of truth-telling. I have a couple of parts to this definition. This is part one. Admonition is a form of truth-telling. Ephesians 4.25, Paul says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Because we are members, since we are fellow Brothers, sisters in Christ. Therefore, we are to put away falsehoods and tell each other the truth. Speak the truth with your neighbor, Paul says. And then in Zechariah, chapter 8, verse 16, God says this, These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and that make for peace. Speak the truth to one another. Render a judgment that is true and one that leads to peace. And you can hear the goal of admonition there. It isn't to beat somebody over the head with all the things that are wrong with them. The goal is peace, not conflict. And we'll talk more about how to do this presently. Admonition is a form of truth-telling. We are commanded to be honest with each other, to shoot straight, to tell it like it is, to speak the truth, to not sweep things under the rug, turn a blind eye, pretend each other's perfect, ignore the problem. 
Admonition is the kind of truth-telling we do to each other when we have done something wrong. And it, it could be a sin or it could be just some... It's not sinful, but it's inappropriate in some way. When we're in the wrong, when we've taken a wrong step, when we've done or said something we shouldn't have, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ... God tells us, admonish one another. It means expose our misdeeds. Admonition exposes our misdeeds with the light of truth. Ephesians 5, 11 and 13. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Don't take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather shine a light on them and expose them. So admonition is a form of truth-telling, and then part two of this definition, admonition is confrontation and correction with the truth. You take the truth, to someone who's in the wrong, and you confront them with it, and you correct them with the truth. The Bible tells us that it's our job to hold each other accountable and to call one another out when we sin, when we're in the wrong, when we mess up, when we're causing trouble, when we're the problem, when we mess up, when we're causing trouble, when we are beginning to go down the wrong path. God actually commands us to do this. Admonish one another. God commands us to tell each other the truth and confront the issue. To warn each other of the consequences and then to instruct each other on how to change. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 It says, admonish the idle." And that word for idle in Greek could just as easily be translated as disorderly. Or my paraphrase, admonish those who are out of line. Admonish those who are out of line, God says. Now, look at our passage. Look at verse 16, Colossians 3. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Or you could translate it, confronting and correcting one another. Confronting is the admonition, teaching is the correction. That's where I'm getting my definition from. Admonition is confrontation and correction with the truth. Confronting and correcting, or confronting and instructing, comes right out of verse 16. And notice the source of the truth and the authority of the confrontation and correction. Verse 16 again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that in you is plural. Let it dwell among you. He's talking to the church of Colossae. Let the word of Christ dwell in your church among you richly, plentifully, teaching and admonishing one another. 
This is crucial. We admonish one another with the word of Christ. There's the truth that we bring to bear. We confront wrong with biblical truth, not our private opinion, not our personal standard, not our personal preferences for how we wish you would behave. We hold each other to God's standards, not my standards, not our standards. That's absolutely crucial. If we don't have that piece, admonition turns into nitpicking and, well, I prefer this, or I think you should be doing this, and you're not doing this. And it turns into that. Nitpicking and finger-pointing is what it will turn into based on what I would like to see, what's right in my eyes. Well, hold on a minute. The only authority we have to say a word to each other is the Bible, is the Word of Christ. Otherwise, it's none of your business. Who do you think you are? Butt out. Right? And that's the response that most of us get when we try to talk to somebody about how we think they're wrong about something. It's, well, who do you think you are? Who are you to tell me what I should be doing? Mind your business. Butt out. But if you say, well, hold on a second. God commands us to do this. I'm nobody. I agree with you. I have no good thing to say. But the word of Christ. We can't ignore the word of Christ if we're Christian. There's the authority. There's the source of truth. You don't come in there riding your high horse. You come in there lowly, a servant of God in humble obedience. And you bring the word of truth from the scriptures. Now, there are two types of admonition. Two types of admonition. There is reproof and rebuke. Biblically, these are the two types. Reproof and rebuke. First, reproof. To reprove someone means to confront someone gently. Reproof means to confront someone gently. Reproof is a soft form of confrontation where you come with a tender approach and a light touch. You come in there softly, with a lowered voice, without an air of superiority. It's a light touch. It's gentle. It's tender. Reproof. The second form is rebuke. To rebuke, biblically, means to confront someone sharply. Reproof is to confront gently. Rebuke is to confront sharply. Rebuke is a firm kind of, co of confrontation where you come with a tougher approach, a firm hand, and perhaps a more stern tone. Proverbs 27.17 famously says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. As we like to say, at least as Bill Smith likes to say, when iron sharpens iron, sometimes sparks fly. And that's that confrontation. And sometimes, sometimes the light, gentle approach is appropriate, reproof, and sometimes that tougher, more firm, sharp, 
confrontation is needed given the person, the circumstances, the situation. And given the issue. And given your relationship with that person. There are lots of factors and we'll talk about those factors more in a moment. But these are the two types, reproof and rebuke. Two different types. Jesus says in Luke 17, 3, pay attention to yourselves or pay attention to one another. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Jesus says, pay attention. And if somebody is sinning, a brother, a sister in the church, in Christ, sins, rebuke. These are the words of Jesus. This is important. You need to discern. You need to be able to discern which approach is needed in a given situation. This is very delicate. This, This calls for a very careful and cautious approach. There is no one size fits all for every person and every offense. And you need to be very self aware of your own personality and your own and how you might be coming across, your own level of patience. If you don't have a lot of patience, be careful. Um, if you don't have control of your temper or your tongue, be careful. If you're not aware of the volume of your voice or the tone in your voice, be very self-aware. Look again at verse 16 of our passage. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Amen. We need all wisdom. All wisdom is required for knowing which approach is needed, which one is appropriate. Reproof, gentle, soft, tender, or rebuke. More firm, more stern, tougher approach. We need to use wisdom. So, let's turn to the scriptures now for our next two points. Let's turn to the scriptures for some much needed wisdom on how we should give admonition and then on how we should receive it. So, here are, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on these, I've got seven steps for how we should give admonition. Each of these could be a sermon. Each one will be about, what, two minutes. So I'm just going to go through these with you quickly. Seven steps on how we can give admonition. And let me preface this by saying, these are seven things in addition to lots and lots of prayer and lots and lots of relying on the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to assume those. But I want to say them so we don't forget them. Bathe yourself in prayer and lean fully on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you as you go about Attempting to do this one another. To admonish somebody. After you've prayed. And after you are satisfied. That you are fully leaning on the spirit. Here are seven steps. To giving admonition. Number one. Number one. Make sure you are doing all the other one another's first. Love one another. 
be at peace with one another, welcome one another, encourage one another, honor one another, serve one another before you dare say a word of admonition to anybody. If you don't have a relationship with somebody, you're not honoring them, you don't care for them, you've never served them, you've never prayed for them, but by golly, you see where they're messing up and I'm going to ride in and be the one to save the day and tell you all about it. Dude, go home. Sit down. You are going to make a mess. Because if you come to me and I don't think you care about me, we're going to fight. That's just, that's, that's fallen nature. I'm not going to receive it. I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to hear it. And you're going to make a, an enemy, not a friend. But if someone is conscious that you are attempting to do these other one another's, which means you're in a relationship with them. And they know you go out of your way to try and love them. You are trying to be at peace with them. You honor them. You have fellowship with them. You are serving them. They know where you're coming from then. And they're not going to make the, the, the judgment that you're just writing in to try and beat them over the head. With their own mistakes that they're probably well aware of already. Don't need you to come in there and berate them over it. Make sure you're doing all these other one another's first. And this means having a strong Christian friendship. A good relationship as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Where you are investing these other six one another's in each other. This is essential to having the right to admonish anybody. Romans 15, 14. Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you Romans, you Roman Christians, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. And the Greek word for instruct is admonish. You, I am convinced that you're full of goodness, you're full of knowledge, and now you're able to go and instruct and admonish each other. But if you're not working on those first six, stop, get to work on those, go honor that person, go love that person, go serve that person, and then maybe you'll have the right to say, and here's where I think you're messing up. Do the first six first. Okay, number two. Check your eye before you look into anybody else's. Matthew 7, <clears throat> 1 through 5. Jesus, judge not that you be not judged. That doesn't mean you're not allowed to admonish. Judge not and admonish both come out of the words of Jesus, out of the mouth of Jesus. It means you're not trial, jury, and executioner. Or judge, jury, and executioner. You're not the one who's writing in to pronounce any, any verdict over your brother or sister in Christ. You're there to shine the light of truth on an issue that needs to be addressed. Not to judge, condemn, or anything else. Judge not lest you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Later he says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Get the two-by-four out of your own retina, and then maybe you can see the little specks that are wrong with everybody else. Make 
extra careful sure that you are avoiding any trace of hypocrisy. And do not be judgmental when you admonish. Check yourself first. Number three. Get your heart in the right place. Get your heart in the right place. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians 3.15 says, Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. And that word for warn is the same Greek word for admonish. In the previous verse, Paul's talking about somebody who disregards what Paul says in his letters. He says, mark that person, but do not regard him as an enemy. Admonish him as a brother. Get your heart in the right place. You are approaching your fellow brother or sister in Christ. A fellow member of the body of Christ. Not some enemy, not some screw up, not somebody you get to beat up. This is a precious brother or sister. Remember to honor one another, to see the value in each other as a child of God. As a fellow member of Christ. And don't lose that honor when you admonish. Have the right, get your heart in the right place. You are talking to a brother, a fellow believer, a person Christ died for. Number four. Have the right goal and the right approach to meet the goal. Have the right goal and then choose the right approach to meet that goal. Either reproof or rebuke. Colossians 1.28. Colossians 1.28, Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, that's admonish, admonishing everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present <clears throat> that we may present everyone mature in Christ that's what you're aiming for you are aiming to help somebody become a more mature obedient faithful holy follower of Christ you bring the word of god you bring the truth to a situation either with reproof or with rebuke, using wisdom, using common sense. But your goal is to see more of Christ in that person. More of Christ in that person. Know the person. Be sensitive to the situation. Don't overplay it, but don't underplay it either. Aim for that person's growth and maturity in Christ. Have the right goal. Number five. Do it in the right order. Do it in the right order. Do not gossip and do not slander. Jesus gives very clear directions for how to confront problems in the church. It's Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 to 17. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. We've got to get the order right. Somebody's messing up. Somebody's sinning. Someone's in the wrong. Someone's struggling. Someone has problems. The first place you mention it isn't prayer meeting. It isn't Facebook. 
It isn't your friend. It isn't someone else. Keep your mouth shut until you've talked to that person one-on-one and you get it straight from that person and hear their side and listen to what they have to say. You go to that person between you and him alone, Jesus says. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Step one, it's one-on-one. Step two is you take two or three at most other people who also know that person, love that person, serve that person, honor that person, doing the other six one another's. And then the small group of you can go and address that person. And then he says, and then even if he refuses then... Then you can tell it to the church. Which doesn't mean you stand up and testify on Sunday morning. So and so's doing this. I've seen that happen. I'm just telling it to the church like Jesus said. Well, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Tell it to the church means you have pastors and you have elders that you go to. And you bring it before the elders and the leaders of the church. And they can decide what sort of church discipline needs to happen at that point. Not you. Get the order right. Do not gossip. Do not slander. Proverbs 16, 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. You start noticing things people are doing wrong, you start whispering, telling other people. A whisperer separates close friends. Friends, Psalm 101.5, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, God says, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and arrogant heart, I will not endure. Gossip, whispering, slandering, spreading, private information. God has no tolerance for that. He has no patience with us when we do that. Proverbs eleven thirteen: Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Number six. Do it in person if possible. Do it in person if possible. If you're going to go admonish somebody, have the courage... To look them in the eye. If possible. Do it in person. The more personal the better. That's the principle here. The more personal it is the better. Again Proverbs 27.17. Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. In Hebrew. One man sharpens another. Is literally. One man sharpens the face of another. Love that. One man sharpens the face of another. Do it in person, if possible. Never do it in a text message. And please don't do it on social media. Do not send them a Facebook message. <sighs> I've seen this. You, uh, even, if it's, even if your heart's in the right place and you mean well, if, you just sit, if I get a message on Facebook one day, you know, Pastor, oh, 
It's not gonna, it's not gonna help my sanctification. <laughs> Come tell me. Look me in the eye and tell me. Do that with each other. Do it in person. Or pick up the phone. Or if you can't do that, send an email. But start with the most personal and then go down from there. And if, you, and if it gets past the email level and it's like, well, maybe they'll see a, a message on Facebook. No, just wait. Go back to the start. Call again. Try again. The more personal, the better. Do it in person. And finally, number seven. Do it all in love. Do it all in love. Ephesians 4.15 Speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Your facial expression, your body language, your words, your volume, your tone, even when it's a stern and sharp rebuke, all of it should communicate a sense of goodwill. Not anger, not pride, not condemnation. Broken-hearted love and humility. Brother, let me just take you aside. I just need to talk to you. I've, I've been praying for you. I love you. I'm so glad we're in the church together. It is, it is a privilege that I get to be your brother in Christ and we get to serve together and worship together. I just, I just thank the world of you. And that's why I, I've got to say... I've. I've seen this in your life. And, I, and I've checked my own eye and I'm not trying to condemn you at all. But brother, I think this is a problem that I'm seeing. Can, can we address it? Can we talk about it? Can we hold each other accountable? Can we pray? Like, what, what can I do to help you with this? I'm seeing this in your life. Can you explain it to me? Maybe I don't understand, but you, you hear that? You hear that heart? I mean, and if that person doesn't receive it and they want to punch you in the face, that's on them. But if you're doing everything in your power, bending over backwards to do it biblically and do it right and do it well, God is obeyed. God is honored. You are in the clear. And how that person handles it is up to them. And they will answer to God for that, not you. This is the path to spiritual maturity, guys. This is how we grow up in the Lord. If we can learn how to admonish one another biblically and kindly and with wisdom and with love. It is not simple. It is not easy. It's not in our nature to do it right. <laughs> That's why God gives us his word and he gives us his spirit. To teach us, mold us, change us. So that we can do it right. So now we come to the hard part. How do you receive admonition? Because here's the trick. Don't think admonish one another just means I'm the all-time admonisher and no one gets to admonish me. <laughs> if we have an obligation to admonish each other, we have an obligation to be willing to receive it, to accept it, because I'm one of the others. I'm one of the others <laughs> that you have to admonish. Elders, deacons, pastors, staff, volunteers, none of us are exempt. All of us are equals in Christ. All of us fall under this word. So, some people, you know, they don't mind confronting others. Some people have that personality. 
they're just good at it. It comes natural to say, what, what are you doing? What's going on? And they get in your face. They have that, the gift of a prophet. Or they could be like Nathan the prophet when David sinned with Bathsheba. And he can go, you're the one. <laughs> I'm not a Nathan. I, I really struggle with it. I'm not a Nathan at all. Um, but nobody, some people like calling other people out. Kind of get off on it. Nobody likes to be called out. Nobody enjoys it. Nobody wants to be told that they're wrong. And also, we live in a culture where we're being trained every day to be offended over every little thing. We are often way too sensitive. And we need much thicker skin. We need to learn how to control ourselves and use our heads to respond to criticism and correction instead of responding from emotion and outrage. We need to be mature in our thinking and in our feeling so we can receive admonition biblically and constructively. And so, I have seven steps. This is like a 19-point sermon. I have, a, <laughs> I have seven steps for how to receive admonition biblically. Number one, do not treat admonition as an attack. Don't treat it as someone attacking you. Speech is not violence. You can incite violence with your speech, but just words out of your mouth don't actually do violence to anybody. You're not being attacked. Have a sense of proportion. Do not act like getting reproved or even getting rebuked is the end of the world. Jesus says, well, Hebrews chapter 12 says about Jesus, verses 3 and 4. It says, consider Jesus, him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In other words, when you're getting admonished by somebody, you're not getting crucified. No one's there to stab you and spill your blood and do violence. You're not being attacked. It will feel like that. No one likes to be called out. Nobody likes to be confronted, especially if we're already aware of a problem and someone else has noticed it and now they kind of bring it up. Ooh. Ooh, that's rough. John 3.20 says, We do not come to the light lest our deeds should be exposed. Nobody wants to get exposed. Not even in private. We'd rather just keep it cloaked in darkness where we can manage it and be safe. Nobody knows. It's okay. Maybe I can keep doing it. But as soon as the light gets turned on, it's embarrassment and we feel like we're being attacked. Don't act like you're being attacked. It's not the end of the world. Jesus got crucified. <laughs> you're not being crucified. Number two. Understand, this is huge, understand that God is the true and ultimate source of admonition, not the person who's admonishing you. Listen, God is the one who commands us to do this. It's His idea. It's His will. It's His plan. 
The admonishment of our brothers and sisters in Christ is one of the ways our loving Heavenly Father disciplines us. Hebrews 12, 5-7 tells us, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him, for the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? When someone confronts you, Christian, interpret that, reframe that, as God sending someone to speak for him into your life. God is at work. Ask yourself, when you're being admonished, ask yourself... God, tell yourself, God commands him to do that. God commands her to do that. And then ask yourself, what's God doing in this? What's he trying to show me? What's he up to right now? This is number three. Remind yourself that God intends the discipline of admonition to be painful in the short term, but sanctifying in the long term. Again, Hebrews 12, 10 and 11. Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. Ask yourself, how is God ministering to me right now while I'm being admonished? What is God trying to teach me? What's God trying to show me? How does He want me to change? How does He want me to grow? Even if someone is completely in the wrong in the way they're admonishing you, don't let that get in the way of listening to God and looking for the good He has in store for you through the admonition. So do not treat admonition as an attack. Understand that God is the source of admonition and remind yourself that God intends the discipline of admonition for your good. For your holiness. Number four. Resist treating the person who admonishes you like an enemy in the way you react. Resist treating that person like an enemy in the way you react. Our instinct is to lash out. It's to get defensive. It's to fight back. Retaliate. Prove they're wrong. Prove I'm right. Push that person away. Defend ourselves. Resist that instinct, Christian. Resist that instinct. Instead, realize that the person who cares enough to confront you is your real friend. That person is actually loving you more. Loving you better than that other friend who stays silent, never speaks up, and allows you to keep going down the wrong path. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
It's, it's wounding to be admonished. But when a friend does it, that's better than them staying quiet. And those are faithful wounds from a true friend, not an enemy. Number five, refuse to give in to feelings of anger, annoyance, aggravation, outrage, resentment, and hatefulness that come so natural to us when we get called out. Resist treating that person like an enemy is number four, but then refuse to give in to those negative feelings that inevitably will come up. And it will be your first impulse to respond with those negative emotions. Refuse to give in to that, Christian. Settle it in your minds now before the admonishment comes. Resolve instead to accept admonition as an act of love. Psalm 141.5, the psalmist prays for this. He says, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. The psalmist is resolving to treat the rebuke of a faithful friend as a kindness and not an attack. It is a blessing to be admonished. And once we get our heads around it that way, that will help us resist those feelings. This person is loving me and blessing me by calling me out. That is not easy. But this is biblical wisdom. Number six, almost done. Realize it is better for you to be admonished than to be praised. Ecclesiastes 7.5, I love this. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. <laughs> it's not good for you. It's not good for me if all we ever do for each other is just sing each other's praises and pretend like there's nothing troublesome, nothing worrisome, nothing wrong with us. We just sing each other's praises. It's the song of fools. It's better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. And finally, number seven. Accept criticism and correction with wisdom and humility. Accept criticism and correction with wisdom and humility. Take to heart what's true. Respond with grace and love and repent where needed. Accept what's true, take it to heart, respond to that person with grace and love, and repent where needed. Last two passages I'll read you. Proverbs 9, 8 and 9. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Are we wise? Are we biblically wise? A wise man will love the one who reproves him. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. We want to be wise and righteous to receive that correction and to become wiser still and to respond with love and grace. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you. Do not be proud. Be humble. Respond with humility and grace and love. And God's grace will come upon you through that admonition. So to conclude, if we learn how to do this well... Church, hear me. If we learn how to do this well, most of the problems in the church will take care of themselves. (laughs) Learning how to be obedient to God's law by admonishing one another according to God's word is a vitally important step to growing in our faith, strengthening our relationships, sweetening our fellowship, solving all our old problems, and becoming the mature, vibrant, healthy church that God is calling us to be. So let's be deep in prayer for one another and for ourselves, relying on the Holy Spirit to change our hearts, and let us commit to loving one another enough to obey God and admonish one another, both for His glory and for our good. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's so powerful. It's penetrating. It, it cuts deep, but it cuts to heal, not to kill. We thank you for your word that is so powerful to drive out our old sin, to change us to be more like Christ. We pray you would give us some of that hunger and desperation for you, We need you every hour to obey the simplest commands. We need all of your grace. We are nothing without you. We can do nothing without you. So make us hungry for you. Make us courageous, humble, wise, faithful, full of love for one another. Help us to learn how to hold each other accountable in a way that's wise, delicate, sensitive, sensible, not in a way that drives us apart, but in a way that builds us up, helps us become mature believers, that deepens our friendships and fellowship here, that takes care of these old problems that every church deals with. Lord, we need more of you. We're hungry and desperate for more of you. And as we reflect you better and more in our relationships, in our fellowship, We will see you do amazing things and take us places we couldn't have dreamed. And I pray you would give us a passion for you to be all you've called us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.